I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me as always is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. How's it going, Lou? I'm surviving. That's good. That's good. That's, that is the the prerequisite of doing this podcast is just well, be here. I, I, mean, I mean, I have been playing something and it's a miracle I am surviving. <laughs> yes, Resident Evil Village launched today and you may be wondering, wait... You don't record on Fridays. Well, guess what? We're recording on Fridays uh, today. Today's Friday. Resident Evil Village came out today. And we're going to talk about it. this. Uh, I don't have a bumper for this. I should have thought ahead because we have bumpers for other things. Ethan Winters. Ethan Winters. Mr. Winters. Ethan Winters. Ethan. Poor Ethan. Ethan Winters. Welcome. But uh, we're going to start a new little segment called the Resident Evil Village Corner. And if you have a better name for it, certainly write in. I just I just threw it in the notes because I wanted to talk about the demo. But Lou's played the game. Yes. Um, uh, as, as I, I should say, um, uh, I was, uh, I've had maybe two hours with the game today. Uh, not much more than that. I've had other things going on in uh, most of the day. So, um, but... I wanted to wanted to at least let people know what I thought of the game so far. Um, I, as I was telling Ryan pre-show, I think he needs to get this game because it is not Resident Evil Seven. He won't be scared off scared out of his mind. Mm. Yeah. See, here's the thing, though. I played. So I have a PlayStation Five. I played the visual demo Maiden. I think we talked about it on the show a little bit. It was scary, even though I knew it was a non-combat demo. Then I played the two-parter demo, uh, Village and Castle, both 30-minute segments each. Uh, Village was really cool because it kind of showed off a lot of the more puzzly elements and the more, like, exploration elements uh, that are present in the, the village of the game. But Castle featured some pretty pretty scary moments, and but both portions of the demo illustrated that I am still terrible at shooting in this game and i i don't know if it's um it's not you okay good it's not you um they do this thing that drives me crazy with a lot of games that interact in first person so you can't move your head but when you aim and try and shoot one of these zombies or one of these monsters in the head boy does it jerk its head back and forth left and right <laughs> um so i'm always like almost hitting something and then i miss its head and then in my experience thus far is I'm not very far. Um, I've only encountered one type of enemy thus far. Uh, they're kind of like a weird-looking monster zombie. Uh, they will use clubs. Uh, uh, they're fast. And they're kind of ape-like in their movement. And um, they constantly... I've I've fought probably about 15 of these things now. Um, 
the the only my only gripe thus far is the game does not do a good job of explaining to you what's a run moment and what's a stand and fight moment. Mm. Um, because there's been a couple of moments where I've been in a situation where I'm like, there's only three of them. You're telling me I can't take three of them? I got a shotgun and a pistol and a knife. Come on. And then literally, it's like I kill the three of them and they continually start throwing more monsters at me. And I'm like, oh, they need me to run. Okay. Um, And the prompts that come up don't necessarily tell you to run. The prompt says, survive as long as you can. Okay. Well, that doesn't tell me run. That says that I got to survive. And to me, survive means stand and fight. Yeah, that that's what I would, would gather from that as well. And when I was playing the demos, there were two moments, one in village and one in castle. The one in village was you're in this sort of like what appears to be a cornfield. Um, and the you, you're introduced to the werewolf zombies for the first time. And I tried shooting them and it was terrible and they killed me. But I realized, oh, I can just run right past them into the area, which from a lore perspective makes sense. Cause like, this is your first interaction with a werewolf zombie. And you're like, I'm going to get the heck out of here. Even though you probably experienced far worse in resident evil seven. And then in castle, there was another moment where you're in this like dungeon and there are these, what look to be more close to zombies kind of coming after you. But the area is set up in a way where you can kind of strategically run around them and and run so the game i understand further as it as it gets along further in the game it becomes more and more action oriented more more of a shooting gallery but early on you're very much meant to as you said quote unquote survive um so yeah like i think i think that's probably important for folks to remember when they're playing resident evil village even though you and i have had very limited time with the game you're probably going to want to run off the bat a little more than shoot. Um, yeah. And I definitely think there's something going on with this game, like right off the bat. Um, the game begins with me. You still play as Ethan and you and Mia got away and it's been three years. And now Mia and you have a baby and the game begins with Mia reading a story to, uh, uh, the baby about, this little girl who went out into the woods, even though her mother told her not to go out into the woods. And then she came across one type of monster and it gave her a gift and another type of monster. And it gave her a gift and then another type of monster. And then it gave her a gift. And then she came across a dog and the dog couldn't speak, but she thought the dog was trying to give her a gift. And then when she took the gift, the monsters came and collected the little girl. And I'm like, okay. Don't take candy from strangers? I'm like, okay. But each of the monster types that gave the little girl a gift are reminiscent of things I've seen in this game in trailers already. Like vampires, werewolves, fish monsters, fighters. And I'm like, something tells me that this book is more of a metaphor of what's going on in this game than a little kid story. And literally, Ethan looks at his wife afterwards, and, and you're in first person, and he goes, I don't think this is something we should be reading the baby. <laughs> yeah, And she's like, why? I got it from the... Because they're supposed to have 
left America because of the situation and gone to Europe, right? But it never tells you where in Europe they are, just that they're living in Europe. And that he's working with Chris Redfield. That's what it tells you. Um, And literally, you're like, and her answer is, oh, well, I got it from the quaint people in the town, uh, in the town bookstore. And I'm like, it's supposed to be based on local legends. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh, sure. Something else is going on here. And then literally, like, within 60 seconds, it's like, you put the baby to bed, you come back downstairs, and Chris Redfield kicks down the door, shoots your wife, kills her, and then takes the baby and sends you, and you literally end up on, and end up in a truck that's rolled down a hill and stuck in a, a dirt, a dirt, snowy dirt road, and you end up hiking into the village trying to look for help. And that's the game. That's the start of the game. It's like the first 10 minutes. So, like I said, th- that's the opening of the game. And right from that point on, it's not more than 10 minutes before it gives you a knife. Uh, Once it gives you a knife, it doesn't hesitate to, like, within five minutes of you getting a knife, you don't even use the knife to kill anything yet. You use it to smash some boxes so you can get some items. And it's like you get some healing items. And you go, okay, I I think I think I think my first monster is coming up. And then literally, like, two seconds later, this guy... You this guy almost shoots you and goes, oh my god, a live person. Here, take a gun. They're coming. And like, boom, you get a gun right away. And he gives you a gun and you have like 20 rounds in it. And I was like, uh, okay. And my experience thus far is, is it does have some creepy elements, some ooh moments, but it do- it seems to give you like combat right away. This definitely feels more Resident Evil 4 than Resident Evil 7. I do like me some Resident Evil 4, you know? It's one of my favorite uh, favorite entries in the franchise. Probably, yeah, I'd say it's my favorite. It, it feels so far like what they're doing is they're giving you more Resident Evil 4, but they're also giving you some scary, weird, creepy moments from 7. Like, there's moments where you... Uh, uh, there's some moments where you quite obviously know you can't win the fight, so the obvious thing is to sneak around and get away. Um, I, I had... I, just before I stopped playing today, I had a moment where uh, I'm in the village, and I have a bunch of bullets and a bunch of guns, and uh, I, I, I'm, I'm working my way to a specific building they've been told... They're telling me I need to get to in the town. And to get there, it, there is... Uh, I don't think it's a cornfield. It's a. It looks like a wheat field with some uh, uh, scarecrows in it. And as soon as you start going through the the cornfield, I mean the, the 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 field, it quite clearly is there's something in there chasing you, and you can't see enough to fight. So my immediate thing was I can see a gap in the field ahead. Run there. And then you run there and you can see that one of the zombies things was chasing you. And as soon as you hit the clearing, he backed away. And I was like, okay, it doesn't want to come out and fight me. All right. And so then I tried to figure out what direction I needed to go and then run again through the field as fast as I could. And I got to the house that I needed to get to. And as soon as I got there, it jumped out at me and I put 10 rounds in it, but it didn't die. And I was like, it ran back out into the field. And I was like, well, that sucks. I'm going to end up fighting that thing again. That's the moment in uh, the village portion of the demo where you're... Is it? Yeah. Okay. It's one of those moments that uh, feels as though you're... Like, I tried shooting him or shooting that monster. I I, there's a, I think in the demo, there's like two or three of them in the field there. 
and you think you're doing damage, but it doesn't seem to be working. Uh, the one I hit, I know I knocked him to the ground with my bullets. Okay. Well, I like didn't you, have that. Like, I, I was quite clear that he was not in the in the field anymore. He was literally in front of the house, and I'm standing at the door shooting at him. Oh, really? Yeah. And I dropped him, and then he jumped back on his feet and ran out, and I was like, oh, if maybe I had gotten one more headshot, I think I could have killed him. Well, yeah. And they, and they definitely drop money. Every time I kill a monster, it drops money. Yeah, because you have the shop in this There's one. There's a shop. I'm I think where I am in the game now, uh, I'm a, I'm just about to meet the shopkeeper, I think. Yeah. In the demo, he's he's a portion of the castle. Uh, and he just... And again, like the demo's kind of weird because it, it, it's a lot of no-context stuff. You don't yeah. know why Ethan's there. You don't know why... This guy has set up shop in this castle, but uh, obviously the game, I'm assuming, doesn't provide all answers, but at least sets up the context of what's going on. Yep. And and the, Capcom, I saw an article the other day that was saying that Capcom has not said that all games going forward are going to be first person, but that this is going to be a thing they do with a few more games, and that they'd like to also continue to do games in the old style fashion as well. And and, and I, I think either way, it, it's going to be fun. Yeah. I think it's a great sort of split. You know, you've you've only got so many games that you can remake. I think four is the last one you can probably remake outside in the main line. I know there's Code Veronica, which honestly I would love to see a remake of because I never I never even got a whiff of that game, let alone played it. So I would I would like to see that one remade. I wouldn't mind you know a return to one because that re the remake they did do of it is is quite old. Uh, there, there's a remake of Four coming mm -hmm. that is recent, and it sounds to me like the remake of Four is uh, from the. Uh, there was an article about it a couple months ago, and it sounds to me like they're trying to make it less actiony and a little more spooky, and maybe change it up a little bit. And I'm okay with that as long as it, as long as it, it as long as it's still fun. I, I'll keep playing it. I mean, I love Resident Evil games. Um. I was I was worried about this because I'm playing this on my laptop and not my not my desktop, <laughs> and I was worried about how good this was gonna look uh, since I'm not playing it on like a peak performance. But even on minimal some minimal settings and some I have some settings that are at maximum and some settings that are at minimal. Even at that, this still looks good. Cool. I'd yeah. say it looks on par right now with the way I'm playing it. It looks on par with a PlayStation Four game, and I'm playing it all. And I, and I'm playing on a I'm playing on a I'm playing on a laptop with a with a 1060, an Nvidia 1060 in it. That's still pretty good. I mean, you know, the RE engine's very capable. Uh, it it runs a lot. Of, it, I I mean, I don't know if you've seen that uh, Monster Hunter Rise game on Switch, uh, but it it runs on uh, it runs on the R, a, a modified RE engine, and it and it looks fantastic for running on Switch hardware. So it does not surprise me that this is a well-optimized game. And um, RE Village is a game that is coming out with, you know, current gen, current generation consoles and previous generation consoles. So it's kind of bridging that gap between the PS4 and the PS5 and the Xbox yeah. One and the Series X. And from what I've heard, it targets all those platforms very well, whether you're playing on a PlayStation 4 to a Pro to a 5 and you're getting uh, what what they've set out to build, right? So funny because on my desktop, I actually bought a new video card when seven came out because 
the video card I had in my desktop at the time wouldn't run seven. And that was the whole reason I bought that video card. And that was that was like four or five years ago. So that that's about when seven came out. So it's been a while. Yeah. No, for sure. Well, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing more about eight. I'm still on the fence, not because I've I, I, I feel I feel like the reviews and also your thoughts have have sort of uh, calmed my nerves when it comes to being a scary game, and now it's just a matter of like. I mean, it's going to have its moments. All oh, Resident Evil games have its moments, but I don't think it's going to be like Seven, where like Seven, there's whole portions of that game where you're just wandering through the creepy house waiting for something to jump out at you. <laughs> yeah, literally coming through the walls, and uh, yeah. I, I think that uh, we we talked pre-show as well about me maybe returning to Seven. Uh, I did not finish it, although I feel, based on our discussions, I got pretty far. Um, I'm a little apprehensive, but... Yeah, uh, we talked pre-show, and let's just say, when Ryan explained to me where he was in the game, I was like, dude, you're like two-thirds, if not three-quarters of the way through the game. (laughs) Just keep playing. I have the game, I think it's on my PC that's in the living room, so I could probably even... That's the other thing, like... I have it on PC and you, you have the monitor right in front of you combined with the first person view makes it a little more freaky. Uh, I feel like if I were to play it on the TV with a controller, I might be a little <laughs> more comfortable. So I might try that at least to see where, where my saves at and, and kind of determine where I'm at. Cause it's not a long game. It's about, I think how long to beat has it pegged at nine to 10 hours. So I could probably wrap up seven yeah, and I, if where you are, I'd say you probably only have like two hours maybe to go. Okay, well maybe for next week. Well, we'll see how I do. We'll see how I do. Uh, but that is good. We'll check back in. Uh, we'll make this a regular sort of uh, segment until until we run out of village chat. Yeah. Uh, all honesty, I want to play more of this game, but with a baby at home, I don't know how much of that I'm going to get. So <laughs> uh, this might take me a month to beat. Well, there you go. We'll have plenty of thoughts to share uh, alongside all of our normal content, including the zombie news. The virus has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. All right. Well, we said we left the Resident Evil Village corner, but uh, we do have one story tied to that, which is Resident Evil Re colon verse has been delayed to summer 2021 and lou this is the game that is uh bundled with village it's yeah. uh yeah i didn't know what it was uh, i had forgotten all about this thing it's basically resident evil 2 multiplayer combat mode basically yeah yeah and and, and i and i don't know how i feel about that i don't know if this is something i'm excited for i don't know if this is something i even want to play but when I loaded up Resident Evil 8 today, I went, well, maybe I'll install that. And it said delayed. And I went, oh, okay, never mind. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, there there was two betas that did not go well. I did not get a chance to play them, but uh, it, it did not go well. I think the first beta even got canceled. It went so poorly. So um, say what you will about it, but it looks like it's a more of a comic book style look to all of the famous resident evil characters and uh there is a six-player deathmatch competitive uh or is a six-player deathmatch competitive uh multiplayer game nothing i saw made me excited for it but nothing i saw made me say nah i won't play it either 
it's free, right? I mean, what, what was the one that came with three? Uh, <laughs> exactly. I don't remember. I don't remember. Does, any, does anyone even play that anymore? Oh, probably not. I don't remember what it's called. I remember I checked it out and I immediately thought this is not it's for like me. Like I've said on millions of the in millions of episodes here. Uh, I don't understand why Resident Evil really wants to put these multiplayer modes in. Nobody likes them and nobody plays them. Yeah. Now there is another mode that's present in Village that that is uh, in there, which is um, we talked about it last episode. It's the uh, uh, oh, it's the arcade mode. It's got its mercenaries. Mercenary mode. Yeah, yeah. We came to it at the same time. Um, mercenaries mode that is in there. It was not delayed, but this this multiplayer mode has been delayed. So uh, yeah, if you can wait till summer twenty twenty one, I mean that seems reasonable. You could see this coming out July or June, or even June or July, depending on how things go at uh, Capcom HQ. But uh, enjoy Village while you have it, and then look forward to Reverse in the summer. That's a terrible, terrible name. Um, but, uh, you know, Lou has not played The Last of Us Part Two. but Lou, how do you feel about the fact that The Last of Us Part Three has a plot, but it's not being made dot, dot, dot yet? How do you feel about that headline? I feel like this is just them trying to hype up that HBO show. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, maybe. I mean, uh... my thing is, is the thing is, is that Last of Us Two came out. Everybody played it. It won a bunch of awards. Whatever, great. But <laughs> nobody's really playing Last of Us Two right now. They're trying to hype up this HBO show, and this feels like a press release where they were interviewing somebody, and he said, "Yeah, we wrote a script for it. Great. Who cares? Are you in development? No." Well, then that script could get tossed any minute and you could be asked to rewrite it again. Well, I mean, the development of, of Last of Us 2, and they go into a bit of this in this article, and there's a lot. Of, there's been a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that I've soaked in uh, through the fantastic Last of Us podcast that, that you should definitely check out. Um, you know, Neil Druckmann, he had the outline for Last of Us Part 2 shortly after he, fin- he finished, you know, shipping The Last of Us Part 1. And I think as a storyteller and a, the creator of these uh, or the creator that helped create these characters, you kind of you kind of know where you want to take these characters because they are they are part of you. Right. And I think the fact that they have an outline for three makes sense because they it's work for Naughty Dog. And thing. yeah, it's, it's not a bad thing. And I and I think that it's. It's interesting for him to say like, oh, yeah, we have an outline, but we're not making it. It's like, yeah, of course not. You just spent seven years making the last one. Who wants to go through? And then all the crap they had to go through pre-release, post-release, it, and during a pandemic as well. Like a lot of hardship has has happened with, with this developer. And But as you said, Lou, obviously they've also gotten tons of accolades for the game. They, they win like basically any award they're up for just just due to the, the sheer quality of the product but i think this is this isn't news in that yeah okay sony has multi-billion dollar franchise on their hands hbo series coming next year um uh, yeah of course neil Druckmann has an outline <laughs> you know with his yeah. co-writer Haley gross like it makes sense because why wouldn't you make a third one um after such a such a phenomenal hit uh sony has been in the news lately about basically being let's make another one of those after it it does really well right and and we talked about it with days gone that was that's where the story broke of uh, sony kind of 
you know, focusing on these these AAA titles and what do you have Naughty Dog do for the PlayStation 5? Well, The Last of Us Part 3, of course. Like it makes makes sense from a business perspective. Uh it may not make sense from a perspective of wanting Naughty Dog to do something different, um, or Naughty Dog wanting to do something different, but it's it's interesting. I mean, it's he's very honest and open about about his feelings on doing a part three, and that we just spent almost a decade working on this one. Like, let me have <laughs> these moments, but yeah, yeah, let the guy work on something else. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like this game is not something that we can't go back to in five years. Exactly. Give it some time. I think that's what made. I mean, The Last of Us as a game. It worked so well because they gave it the time it deserved. They didn't, um, even looking at like, I'm trying to think of another example, like God of War, when it came out on the PlayStation, they gave it the time it needed before they announced a trailer not or a sequel, not necessarily as long as they gave The Last of Us, but still there was that breather. But, you know, there are other titles that as soon as they're out, it's like, yep, there's another one. You know, movies suffer from this too. You know, there's three more movies coming in this in the franchise before you even see the trailer for the movie you're gonna go watch, and yeah, sometimes that's nice to know what's coming. But I mean, I mean, Activision. It's like, well, I guess I'll skip this this Call of Duty game because you know another Call of Duty game's coming next week. Yeah, Battlefield's another one. You know they're gonna do another one of those, so you could you can kind of skip one, right? You can you can you can make that decision, but. I think um, if I were in Naughty Dog's position and you look at what Sony's looking at or looking for and the fact that there's been talk of uh, a Last of Us multiplayer game, which has been something they've been talking about for a while because there was that great multiplayer mode in The Last of Us. And they said basically like, yeah, if we're going to do that, it's going to be separate because The Last of Us Part 2 is such a huge thing. Um, And a full on remake of the original Last of Us. I don't know if Last of Us Part 3 fits within, at least in the next two or three years, fits within a, a TV series, a multiplayer game, and a remake of the first one. And and probably most likely a PlayStation 5 version of the second one. So that's a lot of Last of Us. And I'm like, yeah, do give us a new IP. Do something else. Yeah. There's been talk of them doing like a fantasy project, um, which I think would be fantastic. To see Naughty Dog try their hand at, uh, you know, even going back to fantasy, I think Jack and Daxter was kind of a little bit fantasy. I never played them, but if you're a fan of Last of Us, uh, know that they're somewhere in the Sony vault. There is an outline for the third one, so look forward to that. Uh, before we move into our topic this week, uh, there was a trailer dropped by Turtle Rock Studios for the Back for Blood official card system. Now, um, we're going to get right ahead of this. This is not loot boxes. This is the card system that is earned in-game through in-game currency and progression. However, there are cosmetics. You see them in the trailer. And the developer has acknowledged that these cosmetics will be progression-related. However, in the future, there could possibly be a um, cosmetics-only shop since this is a a multiplayer-focused game. So all that said, Lou, how do you feel about the treadmill they've set up here for you to 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 get your le- Left 4 Dead on? I'm okay with a treadmill. Mm-hmm. I'm not okay with loot boxes. So as long as they stick to their guns, and this is just progression and level progression, I'm cool. 
Um, in fact, anything that makes playing the game different and adds variety or makes things easier or harder, I'm all for that as long as it's not something you're making me buy. That should, uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm old school. I think that should, that should be included in the game when you buy it. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that they, they, I was more excited about their talk of game director coming back. That was a big portion of Left 4 yep. Dead, sort of the AI system that qu- sort of made every run unique. Um, I'm, I'll say this, I'm not big on crafting, you know, cards and having a, I like the idea that the cards seem to be more like building your, building your character. So it looks like there are four characters you can choose from and you can kit them any class you want. You can kit like a a medic build. You can kit like a melee build. I like all that. Um, Where I struggle is uh, in uh, Dead by Daylight, this comes up a lot. You play like custom games. Now that's a little different in that you earn, you earn those um, things, skills through, through progression as well. But like when you play custom games, you have access to everything. And I'm like, what is good? (laughs) You know? And that's where I struggle is that like, if I'm going to play this game once a month with friends, maybe once every other month or, or, you know, at Dead by Daylight, maybe twice a year. And I'm coming in and I'm like, everybody's, everybody's geared to the nines. And I'm like, okay, what does this do? I just really hope this doesn't make it overly complex in that like I have to subscribe to a podcast to understand what is going on in back for blood so i'm uh, it seems simple enough but uh, but i'm crossing my fingers that it actually is simple enough i'm sure it will be um it seems to be trying to do a a few different things but do them simply i don't think this is going to be overly complicated yeah yeah it, it does look to be it's left for dead with a new name exactly oh man and it just looks so left for dead and i cannot wait october is going to be an amazing month for this game we are going to get some some community games going i can't wait to get a a, a refreshed look at left for dead with back for blood so stay tuned it looks like they're ramping up their sort of media presence so i look forward to more back for blood news in the future but uh, we'll leave it there we'll exit the news and we'll move into this We wait this thing out to winter. We can hit the towns, clean up the zedsicles, and find any other survivors. That's right. We're talking about Quantum Blood, which is a film that I chose based on a couple options Blood Lou gave quantum, me. What did I say? Quantum Blood. It's Blood Quantum. <laughs> I have it written wrong in the notes. Cursed. Yes, you do. Cursed. But why didn't you say something earlier? You know, it's funny. <laughs> I was looking at the, 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 the box description down below where you have it typed right. Well, to my ben- to my curse, I copied and pasted that th- description. You are correct. It's, it's written multiple times correctly below, but the title of the segment I have is Quantum Blood. It is Blood Quantum. Uh, Blood Quantum is a 2019 Canadian horror film written and directed by Jeff Barnaby. The film depicts the effects of a zombie uprising on First Nations land 
whose residents are immune to contracting the plague because of their indigenous heritage, but must still cope with the consequences of its effect on the world around them, including white refugees seeking shelter. So that is the the core setup of the film. And um, uh, Lou, I'm, I, I, I'd start with my thoughts, but I am, I am curious. We talked a little pre-show about this. Uh, this is definitely a more serious take on the zombie genre, which which I dig. That's fine. I don't mind serious. Um, and uh, I liked how it started before the zombie outbreak happened. Like, we didn't start in this, already zombies are here and this is what's going on. We started out with one of, uh, I, if I understood correctly, he's like the tribe's sheriff. And his two boys are kind of troubled. And one of them is in jail, and he has to go bail him out of the town's jail and bring him back to their 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 homeland. And um, the guy in the cell with them starts throwing up, and I was like, oh, we're getting zombies. Oh, we're getting zombies. This is awesome. And that scene was really good. And as I already knew the premise of the movie, I knew that the guy in the cell that got bit wasn't going to turn because he was First Nation. I was like, all right, cool. That's a kind of cool idea. And immediately as much as i liked the zombie thing they immediately went to uh he needed to go pick up uh, the sheriff needed to go pick up a buddy of his that was at somebody's house or some something like that and the guy was there with a girl and the woman had been turned into a zombie and she ate her baby and i was like oh, okay they're trying to hit me right in the they're trying to hit me right in the face with this this is not your this is not your your, your 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 father's zombie movie, we're gonna be right in your face. Yeah, we're doing the baby. And movie. I feel, yeah, and I felt like that kind of detracted me from the film. Uh, while I can appreciate that, I felt like the film hit that so early that it made me go, oh. So everything else that happened the rest of the movie had less impact on me. And it also, I felt, I also felt like it was foreshadowing for something that was going to happen later in the movie. Oh yeah, they straight up they straight up call back to that event when it's happening. So there is a character that's pregnant. It's pregnant. Yeah, the kid who's in jail, his girlfriend who's who is not First Nation, is having a baby, and I immediately went, "Oh, well, this is going to be they're going to throw back to this moment at some point." And that lo and behold, that's they, they did it. And I it, like the movie's fine. It's great. I felt like the villain was very one-dimensional. Yeah. Um the two brothers they, uh, one wants to help the people in town and bring them back to the where they live, which is sort of like a fortress, and help people. And the other brother is like, "No, this is our land. Let the white people die." And I was like, "And they keep ex- they keep trying to justify the brother's feelings as to why like the townspeople have treated him like crap, but he also was doing lots of the, my my interpretation of what was going on was that he wasn't a great guy either, like." The cops were coming after him, but he was also doing stuff and in places he probably shouldn't have been causing trouble to begin with. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. may have they may have been dicks to him, but it's not like he was polite to them either. Right. No, he, he has a very uh, a very strained relationship with his father, who, as you said, is the sheriff of uh, I, I believe it's the Red Crow. They were they were saying so basically he, he gets in a lot of trouble and he he drags his little brother along as well. The little brother is sort of caught between his father and his brother and his mother as well. Uh, and he he's always being pulled into um, his brother's his older brother's troubles. 
and you get the sense that the older brother, I agree with you on, on both notes. One, that after the initial sort of, I really dug the fact that A, this is set in the 80s, so it's all walkie-talkies, no cell phones. Um, even though when the apocalypse hits, you can basically say like, well, cell phones are gone because yeah. towers uh, and infrastructure and people that are required to maintain them. Um, although they don't throw very far into the future of the of the of the apocalypse it's six months i believe um but you're right like that first initial sort of uh the 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 mother eating the baby and you you're kind of left to wonder like based on the ramblings of this this guy who's who's, i think done cocaine or something and he's he's out of his out of his gourd and he's on a whole bunch of drugs in it and and you you don't know what he's talking about sort of and I was fine with that, but then when the the sheriff goes in the thing and she's eating the baby, I was like, okay. And then it's like maybe twenty seconds later, you find out that the other kid's got a, a pregnant girlfriend, and I was like, well, there's gonna be the throwback. Mm-hmm. They just it, it sets up as you said, it sets up this sort of bar of of where the will the movie is willing to go, and I find when you start to involve like the idea of um the virus is affecting it's like the walking dead everybody's already infected this very much felt like an episode of the walking dead yeah it worked quite well because like in the walking dead the idea it's never been explored in the walking dead as far as i know uh, maybe in the comics but i i don't know what they were trying to allude to in that was the baby did the baby die and it turned into a zombie in the, and, and infected the mother was the mother infected and there's a lot there that is that is not sort of detailed. are you talking about the one that gets killed in the beginning i'm talking about the beginning about- yeah there's there's a lot about that incident that is not detailed and i don't necessarily like want to go into details because then we would have to discuss those details and it's it's all really like kind of yeah you know and I, I mean and i this sh- the movie had plenty of characters i really really liked and plenty of characters i didn't like um, I I thought the sheriff was really w- uh, well fleshed out. Um, I thought the fact that he wanted to help people was was awesome, and it seemed like most people agreed with him and wanted to help people. And then, like three people, the brother and like two of his buddies, were the ones that wanted to cause all the problems. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, and I was like, and I was like, yeah, three three guys are causing all these problems, like shoot them and be done with this you knew this was coming the, the, I, I could tell this was coming the, the, the 10 minutes into this movie how could you people not live beside this guy and realize he was going to go crazy like this yeah he he has this ideal where um there are plenty of these examples shown as they're bringing in uh they're bringing in people they call them the townies and they're bringing them in and uh of course one of them tries to smuggle in their daughter who's been bitten and then uh and then he promptly commits uh, suicide in a bathroom, therefore endangering everybody. And then the other woman that came with him was also bit. And that leads to, I think, the older brother. There's an incident with the older brother uh, where he is then bit by that by that girl. And he kind of loses it. He, that's like the final straw, the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back. He's like, all right, I'm done. We're taking care of this. And it's it's these moments where it's got a lot of those tropes of like, oh, you know, hiding the bite. Oh, you know, dying in a, a safe area. And, and my gripe was always, of course, the person's going to lie. You're also not making them feel very welcome to begin with either. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? They do diffuse the situation, though. It's that older brother that's not making them feel safe and maybe a couple others. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, maybe you should put somebody better at the door than this guy. <laughs> yeah. Where's your Walmart greeter? Like, you know, yeah. <laughs> welcome to Walmart. Um, please come in. Not welcome to Walmart. You better not have any bites. They're going to put you on this. I love that. I love that notice. Uh, let me let me just roll out my palette of care instead of palliative care. I thought that yeah. was a good joke. Uh, there, there are some moments in this movie that are, you know, funny. Um, but there are also some moments that are, as you said, very serious. For, for, for me, the the movie starts real good. It's real slow in the middle, and once the brother goes crazy and gets the horde uh, attacking, it's like the ball just starts rolling. Yeah. And I think the last half, the first half, and the last half are good, but everything in the middle for me was kind of meh. Like, I felt like I could have fast-forwarded from, like, the 20-minute mark or 25-minute mark when things started to slow down to, like, the last 20 minutes. And I could have predicted everything that had happened from point A to point B and still knew what was going on. My, my thing is, is I, I, li- I liked the beginning. I liked the end. I thought the, the wrap-up after sort of the, uh, the fall of their sort of camp um was was pretty good it it wrapped up nicely but the middle the middle was interesting i didn't like the uh the older brother going crazy and basically no one willing you know no one having the guts to stop him uh although he does stab his younger brother which is also like kind of like i think it's insinuated that he gets his dick bit off (laughs) by uh by the lady because he was like he, he was insinuating that they had already had a, a relationship like yeah. um, of a, of a sexual nature. So like they were, it, it very much seems like something happens to him that pisses him off so badly that he then does all this stuff, kills everybody that, that's in the camp or at least sets up their death, but also stabs his little brother and leaves him to die. And it's just, you're right. Could have been solved by just recognizing that this kid needed to be banished or it just needed he, they were coddling him or or you make him less two-dimensional by having people from the town building their own fortress and him being like yeah they're not gonna let us stay here it's gonna be the the people from the town that are gonna want our supplies or something like there needed to be more than just he doesn't like white people as the answer to why he was causing the problem and it seemed to be that that was pretty much the answer. Well, the key bit is the fact that, um, as we read at the top of the show, everybody who was, you know, First Nations was immune. Uh, right. They could still be torn apart by the zombies, which is illustrated a couple of times in the film. It um, but it's also illustrated that when you're bit, you don't turn. And there's a moment where the main character takes off his shirt to uh, have a wound looked at. And you can see he's very clearly been bitten many, many times on his back. Uh, and, and across his arms. So it's it, that's the interesting dynamic here where you have you have uh, these folks who who are immune and what that means uh, to to everybody else in in the world. And this movie was clearly made with love. Uh, Jeff Barnaby clearly has an eye and a, and a love of zombie movies because, like I said, the middle was boring to me, but the middle was boring to me because I've seen a million zombie movies. I know how these things go. 
And in the middle, it was like, okay, we know that this guy is going to be the guy that becomes the one that causes the problems. <laughs> Let's get there. And again, it, it's not that I dislike the movie. I just, it was very, if you've seen one zombie movie, you've seen them all kind of thing. Uh, the action sequences were absolutely unbelievable. Um, I thought the premise of the plot was really interesting. Uh, uh, I just feel like it, 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 they did a lot for, for they did a lot with what was probably not a very big budget. So I appreciate what they did. Uh, just it wasn't the most creative movie. It wasn't the most original movie I've seen in a while. Yeah, I think the biggest uh, the biggest issue with it is the uh, one dimensional bad guy yeah. that yeah. Uh, the villain that in like a Walking Dead episode instead of you know sort of turning a corner over the course of a season. It's literally as soon as his character got introduced and he was starting to be a jerk. Yeah. I was like, oh, here's our guy from Day of the Dead that's going to be like, no. <laughs> and I was like, yep, here we go. This is going to be the guy. And then lo and behold, I kept waiting for them to like introduce like another villain or something else. And I was like, oh, no, 10 minutes in and I already know who the bad guy is and I already know why he's going to do what he's going to do. And then that's fine. I mean, for for people that haven't seen as many zombie movies as you and I have at this point, I you know this was probably an eye opening thing for them. But for me, it was not a surprise. I liked it. Um, I felt like the ending was really dour. I, I like, and I I mean, a lot of zombie movies do that. It's not a bad thing. Um, the ending fit the end fit the thing. I was hoping for something that was going to be a little more uplifting, considering that most of the movie was pretty dour. But I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, the ending was um, was it, it stuck it stuck the landing in terms of it being a serious zombie movie, and that it gives you like a sad slash happy slash ambiguous ending. Yeah, I was just glad that they didn't have the mother eat the baby at the end because I was worried that was what they were going to do, and if they did, I was going to hate this movie. Yeah, I I think the ending for what it was like you you have the mother dying, but the baby surviving. I think it was really. And my first thought was, my first thought was, shit. Now you got to go back to town. You need some formula. <laughs> yeah, that's always my thought too. Is like, how how do you survive with a baby? And you've yeah, like yeah. I was like, you need to find a store immediately and get stocked up on formula, like right now. Yeah, and as someone who, uh, so we're we both come from, you know, we have s- small children. So for, on my side, it was like. It's it's always been you know breastfeeding, uh, and then on your side you have formula. We we never did formula, but but as soon as that baby is born, that baby is hungry. So like uh huh, you I, I it's like there's these things that aren't addressed in zombie films that you and I think are like common nature, and that's one of them. One of one of them is babies. The other one is where do you go poop is is my other thing and i know as campers people are out there like well you just find you know a a secluded area with no poison ivy and you go to town sure okay you solve one of my problems but how do you feed the baby when the mother's not (laughs) not there so uh, i mean mean, there's plenty of ways it can be done it's not the end of the world plenty of babies survive after the mother's been lost and it happens but i was like but i was like okay she's gone and the baby's alive and it cuts to this it, the baby crying and then it cuts to the scene of him holding the woman and laying there with her and i was like i was like the baby's not crying that baby would be crying uh well we've got uh we've got some clips here there's it's not a very clip heavy movie 
Um, there are a couple moments that I just, I had to include here. They're mostly short, but, uh, I've got one, uh, reload a sword, which I thought is a fantastic line. You don't have to reload a sword. Which, that guy was badass. He was probably my favorite part. In the end, when they get on the boat and he stands back and he goes, no, no, no. They don't get past me and I'm not leaving my land. I was like, he's either going to die here or we're going to get a footage of him on a standing on a pile of dead bodies. <laughs> I think they did a good job. They kind of got a, you kind of got a mix of both. You don't know if he died or if he stayed living, but you definitely saw him kill dozens and dozens and dozens of zombies and at one point it looked like he was standing on a pile of them and i was like that's awesome yeah and there's some we didn't mention this there's some interstitial sort of like animation in the movie that took me out of the movie yeah it it confused me the first time i saw it i thought oh is this the production company's animation because it starts no. off with an animation yeah i i i've seen that in a couple of horror movies recently it's a thing and every time I see it, it takes me out of the movie. Um, I, I feel like Quentin Tarantino did it in uh, Kill Bill. And now a bunch of people that idolize Quentin Tarantino kind of want to do that in their movies too. And I, I I think it worked in Quentin's thing just because it was different and his movie was weird in general. Uh, but when you do it in like a traditional zombie movie like this, I feel like it just kind of it adds padding. And it doesn't really add to the story. I liked it at the end. Um, I guess I just didn't really like it at the beginning. It just was a little weird, jarring. You, they didn't really earn it at the beginning. But the other two times that it happened, it wasn't the end of the world. But um, I agree. It is a little little jarring. Uh, so there is some other stuff. Again, like one of my favorite characters was the grandpa. And he had this line. Said dead. Like he was fantastic. Uh, his sword and every and all of his lines. He's probably, funny enough, probably the most stable character throughout the entire movie. Like he had like sort of a solid line in terms of what his character did and what his character understood about the universe and what was going on in it. And he was m the most level-headed as well. Uh, even though at the beginning they try to set him up as maybe the the retired uh, crazy dad. You know, at the very beginning when he's calling his, his son and he's like, he's asking him to open the, the fish container. I thought that was a great moment to kind of like sort of kick off what's been going on in the film. And uh, I really like, again, like you said, the beginning is really solid. The ending is really good. There's just some problems in the middle there that uh, that you struggle with. Um I've got uh, angry acting cops. So I got a couple of these. Come on. Don't go nowhere, shipwrights. Uh, I should also mention, this is a very sweary film. Um, I tried to remove the swears in this one for comedic effect, but I don't know if it's funny or not. You like to eat people! You like that? You like to eat people! You like to eat people, you Quite the rant. That that moment was a little. Um, I don't know if it was alarming for you, but like the fact that he just goes ape shit. <laughs> that that cop. 
like, uh, but again, it wasn't what I was expect. It wasn't what I wasn't expecting. I knew that the cop was going to be a dick. Uh, you could tell immediately the cop was going to be a jerk. And then when he got bit and he beat the guy, and you're like, "Yep, that zombie's dead." Okay, it, like it wasn't. It was didn't. It was disturbing, but it wasn't a surprise. Yeah, yeah. Well, all in all, I mean, that's that's all I clips I I, I got that are uh, sort of worth playing. Again, it's it's a pretty serious film. It's a very serious film. Um, I think it it, 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 it tackles some ideas. Um, uh, I, I was hoping those ideas were going to be a little more original than they were. Um, but I over, uh, overall enjoyed it. Um, I, I, I was bummed to see Gary Farmer, who played Moon, become a villain and sort of side with the brother. Because uh, I've, I've liked him for a long time. He's in all kinds of crap. Uh, but... Again, and and then he has the great scene where he's on the bridge with a truck, and the front of the truck is basically like a a a, a gr- basically a giant meat grinder. And I was I thought that was awesome. I thought he was going to be my favorite character. And then as soon as his character realize it starts to side with the brother about getting rid of the white people, I was like, oh, you, I, I don't like you so much anymore. Yeah, yeah. There are there's some really. I don't remember how if he died or not. I could I can't remember his death was so quick I could can't remember if he lived or died. Who who died? Uh the guy that was helping the brother. Oh yeah, yeah. He gets a he gets a very quick death in that but it's one of those like oh my god, have I been cut moments where he gets the samurai sword to the face and and goes down pretty uh... the, the other thing too is, is I definitely like the way the villain went out. Yeah. Uh was she supposed to be the mother or like the sister the one that shoots him he doesn't get oh yeah the the the, and i was confused they they never clearly stated whether she was the mother or the sister she was related to them though yeah because uh, so here's here was my understanding of it you've got the guy from fear the walking dead which is the sheriff i believe that was his ex-wife the doctor Okay, all right. See, that was why I, they weren't touchy-feely, so I couldn't tell if that was because... And they never clearly came out and it addressed it in any dialogue that I caught. So it, I was like, if, uh, are they... I, I can tell they're related in some way, shape, or form, but I couldn't tell how they were related. And I couldn't tell if those kids were her kids or if she was their sister. That The, the way things unfolded, I couldn't... I, I didn't catch that. Um. And the the brother is clearly going to do something bad and turn his back to her. And she points the gun at him and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you're going to shoot me. And she shoots him. And I was like, good. Shoot this cocky jerk. Yeah. I, I think and- that was a that was the father, mother, two okay. brothers. Relation. That was my understanding of it. Because she she just looked like she might be too young to be their mother, to be honest. So I was like, I'm not actually sure now. Because like, there is a moment where they, she's like fixing the sheriff up, but it feels like there is this moment where they are connected. And then there is a moment at the beginning of the film where he says, "Oh, I'm at Joss's," and uh, the the girl on the Doris on the radio goes, "Oh, you're there," and he says, "It's not like that," you know. And I and I feel like it is like this ex relationship thing I, th- I think that i think you're right and um 
and she shoots the shoots the brother, and that doesn't kill him. He still comes back for more, and then eventually the grandfather leads him out into the woods. And I love that moment where the brothers he gives the brother the knife, and he's like, "You need to do this." And the brother stabs him, and like I was upset at first because the brother stabs him, and I'm like, "He just basically sent your girlfriend and possibly your baby to die." You can be a little more angry about this than 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 crying the whole time that you want to. I would kill this person whether he was my relative or not. He'd be dead. And I was like, all right, they're going to go the cryy, whiny baby mode. Okay. And then he stabs him and leaves him on the ground. And I was like, what are you doing? Go finish him. And then the <laughs> grandfather picks up the gun. And I went, oh, oh, this yeah. is going to be way worse. They they gave him the death that he gave Their many father. innocent people uh, yeah. back home. And I, and I think it was – there were these moments where um, – you know they they went easy on each other, but then that, that final bit I think was was again the grandfather realizing like no we he's done like he he killed what they say a hundred to hundred and fifty innocent people, people. and the movie basically starts with what feels like this plan you you heard it in the clip at the beginning like we survive until winter uh, we we survive through the winter then we just go into town we kill all the 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 uh, Zedzicals, as they call them. And I always felt like... That was a really good plan. It's a great plan. And they don't get to enact it because the brother just kind of pulls the pulls the and carpet from the under. Other thing too is, the other thing, too, is, is so there's an escape plan that they have a backup. They have a bunch of boats down on the docks at the river. Mm-hmm. And what does the brother do? He burns the boats. And I was like... The evil brother or the good brother? evil brother he burns the boat yeah no he's going thermonuclear man he's he's i was like so he doesn't have a plan how he's gonna get out of this either he's literally just gonna kill everybody because he's mad yeah that's that's that, that's his I, plan i know i was like i was like he's so one-dimensional oh like yeah. if he was gonna kill everybody and get on the boat and leave I would have been like, oh, he that's his plan. But it was like, no, he was going to just kill everybody and probably himself too along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was not a... Yeah. The, the, and I was like, yeah. This is not the kind of plan that anybody would go along with him for. So when he had like two or three guys helping him, I was like, there would be nobody helping this person. Yeah, I didn't really believe everybody that was helping him, but there were like... The one guy who seemed to be help like doing drugs with him, like that made that kind of fit. But there were a couple other people that just it, it seemed like they just needed to give him extra muscle. But I agree with you. Like that turn felt very Walking Dead villain of the episode type thing. But I think the rest of the film really brings up those moments and everything else about this. Like they've got. They've got the visuals, they've got the acting, uh, they've they've got the tropes, um, and they've got a unique premise, you know? Seeing like the sheriff gets eaten on the stairs by all those people, <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh man, let's see some more blood squirt, 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 squirt. Oh, we're going to get some more here in a minute. Squirt, 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 yeah, squirt. They... I was like, I was like, man, they went through their blood, they went through their blood pool in this, in this scene. Yeah, they did the Savini uh, blood splatter, you know, where it was just. Oh, yeah. 
It's just, and, yeah. and, the, and the kicker of it is, is the whole scene is filmed in red with red lights going on in the background. And all I kept thinking was, you know, I wonder how red this blood actually is and how much of this is just a clear liquid that they know when the red light hits, it looks red anyway. I really like this movie. I, I enjoy a more serious take on the genre. I think it deserves it from time to time. And um, don't get me wrong. I'm looking forward to Army of the Dead, but uh, I'm really glad we watched this. Um, I, I, it's been on my list for a while. Yeah, next time, next time I get some other options for you, man. All right. Well, uh, before we move into our listener feedback and close out the show, I wanted to give everyone a preview of what's to come on Zombies Ate My Podcast. Coming up next episode, we will have a special guest. That's right. We're welcoming back Jocelyn Kearney from The Angry Chicken and The Gamers Inn. And we're going to chat about the second half of Fear the Walking Dead, season six. Uh, if you're a listener of the Gamers Inn, you probably heard it in the first five minutes or so, where uh, I think we were talking about Resident Evil, and Fear the Walking Dead came up, and uh, Jocelyn is all in. She's like, I gotta talk to someone about this. And I said, well, you know, I have the zombie podcast I do with my good friend Lou that you've been mm-hmm. on. I, I'm pretty sure we've had her on the show before. And yeah, and, and she knows of Zamp, don't get me wrong, but it was like, you gotta come on, we gotta talk about Fear the Walking Dead, because if you're excited... We're excited. We already took care of that first episode, you know, returning to season six. So we don't necessarily have to like get into the, you know, I I hesitate to say depressing start, but it's a pretty heavy episode. Um, So we'll have that next time. And then uh, after that, in about a month's time, we'll be talking about Netflix's Army of the Dead. Although I believe, again, there you should join our discord. There's some rumblings about possibly having some sort of a community night where we all watch Army of the Dead. And I have this ability to record things, so we might do something with that. Yeah, there's talk of doing something and watching something pre-Army of the Dead. I don't know <laughs> if I'll be around for that or be able to do that. Uh, uh, but I can definitely do Army of the Dead. Yeah, see, I don't show for the pre-show unless they uh, they submit my writer and they have only brown M&M's and uh purple skittles that's this the only way i'll join for the pre-show no i'm just kidding uh i i don't know if i'll be able to make the pre-show but i think uh, i will definitely be around for army of the dead but we better get okay next episode we will have solid plans for that because it'll be a week before the premiere of army of the dead and this way you guys will have a head start on how to join in but go to bit.ly slash zamp discord if you want to get a heads up but we will confirm details for next episode i make a note and i'll get on that um and of course we'll have the resident evil village corner i will have a bumper for it and we will continue to share our thoughts on the game as lou and i uh make our way through the uh the 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 tall lady game so we'll (laughs) the tall lady vampire so stay tuned uh lou before we jump out of here we do have uh an email here from jacqueline she has a suggestion for a future show topic and we could certainly revisit it, but I feel like we could probably uh, we'd probably chat about it right now as well. Uh, the question being, how would a visually impaired person survive the zombie apocalypse? I'm visually impaired and would like to know. To be more specific, I'm unable to drive, I read Braille, and I listen to audio such as books, music, and podcasts, of course. Everything in my apartment is electric, making it impossible for me to cook if the power goes out. You get the idea. Anyway, I look forward to hearing from you. So, Lou, do you have some thoughts? Uh, Because I I think this is an interesting question. In all honesty, the cooking thing wouldn't be too hard of a thing. Um, Lots of people can use gas and do other things, and you can be taught to do that. I think that that's not not an issue. Um, 
uh, visually impaired though, I think you're going to need somebody to help you stay survive. Not that you need a hundred percent help, but I can't imagine seeing you won't be seeing the zombies coming, and you'll need somebody to help you there. Um, but I think a person could definitely uh, definitely survive. It just would be you'd need to be part of a community to survive. Yeah. I don't have uh, a lot of experience with uh, visually impaired uh, people, but I think that I, I think that there is, you know, if you look at The Walking Dead, there hasn't necessarily been uh, someone who's been visually impaired, but there have been moments where folks have lost their sight or there have yeah. been death characters in the show where, you know, they've, they've really portrayed these characters in that... Um, even though they they may have a loss uh, a loss of sense, uh, they are still very capable of surviving. And I think in terms of a visually impaired person, you know, if you have that um, that sort of uh, support uh, dog, I think you could have something like that to sort of assist. Um, I think you're right, Lou. Like assistance is probably good for anybody in the apocalypse. Like I know if I was on my own, I'd be screwed. <laughs> I need somebody to assist for sure. And I think like having a community is important, but I think, you know, you, you would be able to do a lot in the apocalypse. I, I think that there is, and you talk about zombies, you know, like I think there, there are plenty of ways for you to hear them coming, definitely smell them coming and uh, your senses will get better as you go. Anybody with an impairment is going to have a problem. I mean, uh, th- that became a uh, that was something that crossed my thought uh last year when i broke my leg i mean i was three months before i could walk again uh i was on a walker for uh probably four weeks and when i say on a walker i don't mean i'm i'm like gangbusters going through the house i mean i mean i'm walking so slow a zombie's gonna catch me you know what i mean and uh, th- th- that was that 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 concept to me was oh crap uh even i can't even getting up to even go to the bathroom was like oh man i gotta get up and i gotta and, and my leg hurt so bad that i was like oh come on but that's also my fault too um i'm i i, I i'm one of those guys that doesn't take medicine if they don't need it so i took no pain meds oh um so you know, like those things cross my mind. I mean, uh, we, we've seen Walking Dead handle uh, deaf people, and I've had several deaf family members, um, and I, and I know how challenging that can be for them too. I, it's just, I think everybody does better with help. Uh, again, it's always been one of my gripes with The Walking Dead is I think people are more helpful than Walking Dead gives them credit for. I, agree. I think I think more people generally want to do good and Walking Dead intentionally goes, nah, forget those people that want to do good. Let's make sure that we show them what the worst of humanity is. I, I agree. I really think that uh, you're right. You got to look for the helpers and there are going to be a lot of helpers in situations like this. And it just helpers don't make for good zombie drama when you look at the walking dead like if everybody was helping each other out we wouldn't probably have 10 seasons but i think that that show could very much benefit 
from having more support. One of the things I absolutely loved in the first season of that show is they run across that nursing home where the, they think it's a bunch of gangbangers and the, they find out that all those guys are taking care of the elderly in the nursing home. And I was like, this is awesome. Why don't we see more of this? And then immediately, like a, a season later, we're introduced to just villain of the week. And I was like, I was like, the world, the world can be and is a better place than TV sometimes portrays it to be. Sure, do we run across weird people or crazy people or uh, bad people? Yeah, but I think that in in general, they're the they're the minority, not the ma- majority. And I think when we were we were talking about this email um, last, we were originally going to read it last week, but then we ran out of, we ran out of uh, we had to we had to cut the show short. But we were talking um, we were talking about this email and we were thinking okay where have we seen this and maybe not in a zombie genre flick but we definitely saw it in uh book of eli where i guess i should say spoiler alert (laughs) there's this huge twist at the end a whole movie it is like mad max with with denzel washington and he kills a bunch of guys he shoots a sniper off a rooftop like he does all these things he has a sword fight it's all this really crazy stuff he kills a the beginning scene, he's hunting an animal in the woods and he kills it with a bow and arrow and then skins it alive and takes care of it. And the whole movie, he's wearing a pair of sunglasses. And then at the end of the movie, it's revealed the reason that he uh, he did all these things and he's blind. And I think that that's amazing. I mean, Daredevil was a wonderful TV show on Netflix. Uh, and, and and I think that that's, that's the, the... I would love to say that blind people can become Daredevil and kill things, but... I. I don't want to mislead people. Yeah, I was going to bring up Daredevil, but I, I I don't know for certain. But it kind of felt like that was a little more like his his. They took the you know losing one sense, gaining you know strengthening Enough. others to a whole other level. Um, yeah. And but I really do think, and I I I, I know that there. I mean, maybe Jacqueline can can write in and let us know. But there is this strengthening to your other senses where you're hearing is uh is better and your sense of smell and taste and all that you know uh does try to fill in that gap there and i think that that will come in incredibly handy but but again as lou said like the one thing that the walking dead does get right is that community is so important and that is what they continue to drive home in a lot of these zombie films and 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 content is that community is important and you have to, everybody needs support, but uh, I think nothing nothing is impossible. I, I think that uh, a visually impaired person can certainly do just fine in an apocalypse. Uh, there are probably folks that are visually impaired that can do much better than I. And, you know, I, we've always said on this show, like, I may do a zombie podcast, but uh, there's no way I'm prepared. You'd be the first one to go. Probably. Yeah. No, no doubt. Um not because I'm evil, it's just because I've, I'm just, uh, I mean, I can't even cook uh, on a good day. So, you know. Shame on you, sir. Shame on you. I can open a mean can of dog food. So, but uh, I, I hope that helped, uh, Jacqueline, I hope that answered your question. But certainly if you have follow-up, let us know and we will uh, we'll continue to ruminate on this. Thank you uh, once again, ja- Jacqueline. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll look forward to your response. Um, if you want to write in like Jacqueline did, you can do so by going to uh, emailing us, info at zombies8mypodcast.com. 
If you want to chat in real time with us, go to our Discord, bit.ly slash Discord. And I do want to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash podcast. You help support the show. Everything that you donate there goes directly back into the show. And uh, we thank you so much for that. Go to our website, zombiesatemypodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook. While you're on Twitter, you can follow me at rmurphy and Lou at busyzombielord. Finally, a quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can find more of his stuff at joelduggan.com. Lou, this has been Zombies Ate My Podcast, but do you have any final words for our awesome listeners? I do. I actually have an idea for uh, Jacqueline. Your cell phone might not work in the apocalypse as a cell phone, but it's clock and all those other features that I know uh, people with vision impaired can use it for. You might be able to get like a solar powered charger so your phone would at least work and you'd still be able to use that sort of functionality. I think there are a lot of tools that you, you may think won't work in the apocalypse, but will certainly help bridge the gap. Yeah.